0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Mas, the official podcast of Somos Mas NM and your source for the latest news and the notes on the on the Mexico United and the New Mexico Runners. My name, of course, is Seth Benoff. Joining me this evening, you have the one, the only Earl Nieto with something above his head. I can't, I don't think he's on the floor tonight. Okay, here we go. We got a
1: star. Earl, I mean. No, I'm not on the floor and that's actually a seahorse. <laughs> um, and no, I'm not on the floor, like I said, because that right there is a bathroom. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> also joining us this evening, special guest, head coach of the New Mexico Runners, USL Hall of Famer, and world record holder, Coach Steve Familetta. Coach, so happy to have you. We talked to Andres last week, and uh, real quick, we do have some news we're going to get to, but I, I want to ask you first I mean, how are you? It's been a minute since we've talked to you. How's the offseason been? You're, you're looking
1: well. And uh, before you, you Andy, answer any of those questions, question? I already know his answer. He's starstruck. Look at that face. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's something. That's, that's starstruck or lack of sleep. I don't know which one. <laughs> that's the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Or just old. I don't know. Take your pick. <laughs> <I mean>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Coach, we're, we're glad to have you. How, Like I said, how are you? How are you doing? How's the offseason been? You're looking well. And uh, how, how is, everyone, is everyone coming along for, for the next season?
2: Oh, I'm ready. They're ready. Well, we got more training to do, you know we're we're still a month and a half out, but um it's exciting. I'm really looking forward to it, uh you know, off season. It's always nice, um but uh like we were talking before we went on the air, it's tough. I don't idle well. I yeah. like the idea toward the end of the season. All right, you know, time off, not up early for training, and that lasts about I don't know two minutes, <laughs> I'm jumping <laughs> at the bit. You know, we get back at
1: it. Yeah, I can imagine the off season's kind well, of when, especially with how long well, the off season is for you guys. Well, when you're 80 years old, I mean, you wake up four in the morning, anyways.
2: I got to do. Hey, the earlier you get that geritol on board, the better <laughs> off you are.
0: <laughs> Earl's not quite there yet. He's still 22, so yeah, he's got he's got a ways to go. Hey, right. hold on. a minute.
1: If, if you ask Maya, I am 40. Oh, really? <laughs> All well, right, well, I've
2: got, I've got screws in my body that are older than you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, we're, we're in for a great show tonight. If you're with us over on Facebook or YouTube, be sure to pop your questions and comments over in the chat. Andres Trujillo is already here. Jane Lilly. Hi, how are you? Welcome on in everyone. We're going to be talking to Coach throughout the evening. Uh, as we get ready, continue to get ready for the runners season, which is set to kick off at the end of December. Um, But we we do have one major news story we want to get to today. Uh, It's coming. If you build it, they will come. The Albuquerque City Council voted last night by a score, by a a tally score, tally, whatever you want to call it, of 7-2 to in favor of the lease for New Mexico United out at Balloon Fiesta Park. The lease is signed. The deal is on, is in ink. It is done. United is getting a stadium. I mean – Earl, and even to you, Coach, it feels like this is something that's been talked about for five years now. A stadium is coming. We want to build a stadium. We want to do this. And with all of the, the negativity, with all the backlash over previous locations or possible locations, there seems to be one that seems to suit just about everybody out of Balloon Fiesta Park. It's going to take up approximately seven acres of the 360-some-odd acres that are out there currently. It's going to be built on top of the existing parking lots, and if you look at the at the broader project of Bloom Park, they already had plans to build another parking structure. So the parking that's being displaced will be will be replaced uh, eventually. The city's pumping in thirteen million dollars worth of funds worth for infrastructure only, and the club is doing, is going to put in the minimum thirty million dollars to to build what is a reported eight to twelve thousand seat stadium before standing room only uh there have been some renderings that show berms and other things i mean guys i'm excited i'm excited for this i think this is a huge deal i mean coach let's start with you you've been in the soccer scene in in and around new mexico and at the usl level for for a number of years now how big of a deal is this for soccer and the growth of the sport nope i think coach rose
1: I think he's frozen. That yeah. a, good, a good staring contest guy, which I'm not going to challenge him.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd hate against get a staring
1: contest for Coach. Uh, Ooh. Ooh. Very in and out,
0: Coach. Yeah. Yeah, Coach, if you can, try to reconnect, and we'll, uh, we'll get, you, get your thoughts on that. Um, while he's doing that, Earl. I, what, what, man, it's been a long time.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about a stadium's coming for, I believe, three years now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like hard-planned stadiums for about three years now. I remember me and Jacob going to a parking lot over the cursed tailgates and getting a cool sign and getting a cool freaking hard hat, um, because we supported the stadium, and then the city of Albuquerque residents thought otherwise. Thought we don't need a stadium that money that had to go somewheres that we couldn't place it anywhere but has to go somewheres should go to funds that were already being accounted for. Um, <coughs> so Albuquerque voters, they must love Brook Bassan because that's that's where it got hung up at. So, I mean, I'm excited for it. I would have loved to see it downtown where the club originally wanted it, but mm-hmm. I will take it just about inwards in New Mexico. Probably I mean, really, up this way where I'm at, I'd, that'd be ideal. That's but. not happening. <laughs> you know, that's not happening. There's no
0: way that, that uh, Peter Trevisani would build it way up there. But I mean, I'm talking to, about Santa Fe. Oh, I mean, still, I mean, Santa Fe is not. I mean, okay, Grant, Santa Fe is an hour drive. You know, but it's really not the center of the state.
1: It's Santa really Fe not. is 35 minutes. It's not even an hour. How fast are you driving, Earl? Not fast at all. I have a six-year-old. <laughs> I don't believe that
0: for a minute. Um, but, I mean, to be honest, I mean, the Balloon Fiesta location is not terrible for, for it's anyone. It is
1: not. I'm not saying that. It's not terrible. Um, Balloon Fiesta Park has needed upgrades for a while now. Mm-hmm. I mean, their parking system is just atrocious. Um, I think parking anywhere near anywhere near bloom fiesta park is just a nightmare and then just the roads in general during bloom fiesta park are just terrible so i mean bloom fiesta park needs the help Mm -hmm. and i'm all for it um yeah i can't say much more about it i mean other than bloom fiesta park needs the help and united partnering with them and paying the city rent and bringing more attention especially during bloom fiesta season will be nice. All right. Coach is back. I mean, let's bring coach back
0: into the conversation. I mean, like I guess,
1: no worries
0: coach. It happens, you know, it, it happens to the best of us And it. Technology, you know, without yes. it, we couldn't do this, but we're at the mercy of it. So, um, so as I was saying, uh, before your, uh, connection dropped there, um, <laughs> you've been in and around the professional soccer scene for a number of years. I mentioned at the top of the show, USL hall of famer, world record holder, coach, I mean, for you, what does this mean for for the city, for the growth of soccer here in New Mexico? And what does it mean to to the community?
2: Oh my, this is this is tremendous. I uh, you know, what it means for soccer, I you know, let's look at the big picture. You know, the average amount of people that go to the United Games, it's it's unbelievable. It just shows you we truly are a soccer state. And it they're definitely, you know, they're a class act. And everything they do, the stadium, um, the location of it—I think it's brilliant. You know, and like you said earlier, it—it it checks all the boxes and it pleases almost everyone. You know, there's always going to be some naysayers in it, but like is once again, what it brings—it's so central. I mean, even you know, if you think Santa Fe people coming down, it's so easy to get off at Tramway and be able to get to that stadium, and you know. With it being on Bloom Fiesta Park, I watched a little clip on the news and, you know, some of the Balloonists were, you know, I uh, don't have any issues with that. And it's really not going to affect the location, where they're going to build it. It's, uh, I, I think it's a slam dunk.
0: Yeah, I know one of the uh, the more prominent uh, members of the Rainbow Riders, I think the owner of the Rainbow Riders, you know, put up a last minute thing last week saying they were mourning the the loss of Fiesta as it as it used to be or as it was. And I'm going if you look at the comments and and, and reactions to his post, I mean it's clear that these people didn't read the reports, they didn't read the news stories, they didn't pay attention to the details that were coming out about the location and the studies that had been done and and where exactly it was going to be because you know you look at that area it's designated as a no no launch no land zone and yet the rainbow riders are complaining and environmental study came back and they said hey this is okay this works they're going to be within the the stadium is going to be within the height requirements if balloons i've never once seen a balloon go that direction I pointed this out to a friend of mine who's in the ballooning community. I said, I have never once seen a balloon go that direction. They tend to
1: go south out of there. And, now, typically, you know, if they the when they send up the the Dom Patrol, if they mm-hmm. shift north, they usually don't fly. Right. Because, I mean, you shift north, and now you're hitting the Bosque, you're hitting Sandia Lakes, you're hitting No Man's Land, where there's not access to roads out there, because mm-hmm. now you're on tribal territory. So I mean going out that way is just impossible to get yourself back.
0: Right. Yeah, and, and to and to try to fly east out of the city, like no one does that out of that area. No one does that. You know, no one does. Um because if you because you don't have the winds going that way. So uh got a comment. Sounds like it's gonna be a great symbiotic relationship with, with New Mexico, United, and the Blue Fista Park. Absolutely. I, I I absolutely agree with that. I mean, United has agreed to not host matches during balloon fiesta that's part of the deal there there will not be matches during balloon fiesta so you're not going to deal with the added you know issues there um and i mean the club you know they found the spot there's already infrastructure there to that can handle large quantities of people traveling in and out so like like coach said i mean it just seems to check all those boxes you know it seems to hit everything that that most people you know want out of location and what a stadium could, could be. And a, one of the studies that came out is they did a noise study. And I believe it's been published. They did a noise study showing how it affects surrounding areas. And in the closest homes to where the stadium would be, they ran tests, they pumped in noise. The, the, the noise level will be that of a conversation at the closest homes where the stadium would be.
1: So rumor has it coach Steve getting out of bed is noisier than the stadium will be. <laughs>
0: Only
2: when I hit the ground, dude. <laughs> That's usually when it hurts the
0: most. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it does. Confirm, can't confirm. Getting old does hurt a little bit more, a little bit every day. So, um, but we're not, we're not going to focus on getting old tonight. We're going to focus on the future. We're going to talk. We're going to focus
1: on. I mean, technically, we're still focusing on old. <laughs> <laughs> Earl, I, you know what? Here's what I want to do, Coach. And I'm giving you
0: free reign to do this if you would like. We will get Earl out to a training session. You can run him as much as you want.
2: That's awesome. As <laughs> much I, as I, much I, just, as I, I can. Wanna, hey, I want to leg wrestle him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Is this with the good leg or the bad leg?
2: Uh, dude, they're
1: both they're brand new. Dude, new knees, new hips. Come on. That that worries me. <laughs>
0: Harry in the chat. Harry, a friend, a friend of the show, also a San Antonio supporter. Uh, well, it's because in the New Mexico United, the crowd is like the RGV crowd, quiet. You could hear a pin drop this year. Hmm. Evening Earl, Seth, and Coach Steve all the way from San Antonio. Very awesome. happy to have you here. I appreciate you popping in. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, let, let's – we've already talked a little bit about the future of New Mexico. Let's talk about the future of the New Mexico runners. Fifth season – Coach, you've been there for every step of the way. You and your son are, are on the are on the sidelines once again. I mean, I'm, I'm curious, what's that like for you, coaching alongside your son? Is there ever a moment you're like, this kid's doing better than me, or are you still like, you know, the old man's got it?
2: uh, I, you know, I still, get, I think I have a few more years in me, but he definitely, you know, he he knows his stuff. I mean, and I um, I definitely lean on him quite a bit. You know, bounce off what he's saying during the game you know it's not um it's not a situation of where later in life I mean Nick's still extremely young man you know he's in his early 30s but he has been coaching you know since he 12 and 13 years old you know he started coaching and he had some you know pretty good mentors as coaches some pretty high level coaches that he spent a lot of time with and a lot of exposure to play you know and um it it's, it's very helpful. And, and believe me, I mean, I, I do lean on him a lot, you know, uh, the buck stops here, obvious, you know, but he's definitely in there with me and the guys respect him a lot too.
0: Yeah. I mean, let's go back to last season, just a little bit here, coach, you know, the, the team started off, you know, uh, the year started off with a lot of promise. Yes. Things kind of, you know, kind of fell apart towards the end. I know you guys are dealing with some injury issues, obviously resulting in you getting back out on the pitch. Um, You know, what was that like? And what was, what was like keeping the momentum, keeping the mentality up throughout that process? And then, you know, how, when you take, when you carry that into the off season, you know, how do you move on from that? Well, you know,
2: we obviously could play with any team in our division. You know, we played them, you know, we beat them all once or twice before, um, as long as we're healthy, you know our numbers, our our player market here, we're pretty lean, and I can tell you this year we've it, it's definitely the best batch of guys we had. You know we were going strong, but once you know last season a couple key injuries, and you know it's not 11 a 11 side; it's a small field. So if you get you know, and, and it's round like hockey, you know we have a couple lines. You get one guy injured off of each line, that's twenty percent. Oh, it's 40% of your team, you know, but 20% of the line. That really changed the chemistry. But we're very healthy so far. Um, We've got the biggest numbers that we've had so far. And the great thing with the numbers that we do have, they're very interchangeable. You know, we we have obviously key players, you know, veteran players coming back. But a lot of guys that are new to the program. And, And I'm pretty excited.
1: Yeah, you want to tell some of those names? Nope. (laughs)
2: <laughs> hey i got in trouble last week girl and i wasn't even on <laughs> I,
1: I tried i tried i'm right there was biting his fingernails waiting for it
0: <laughs> oh that is awesome coach thank you that, <laughs> that's phenomenal i mean yeah obviously you know, last week with it with andres being on the show you guys did give us the names of the guys returning this year yeah you know, we talked a little bit to, to andres last week about about nate yeager um, yeah. you know, third year man. Now, you know, I mean, talk about his development, you know, obviously a rear Rancho product coming up and then, you know, working with you and, and with Nick and, you know, talk about his growth and development, and, you know, how much it means to have someone as solid as him in between the sticks.
2: Uh, you know, Nate, he's very, very solid. And he's really developed, you know, it, there's look, we're, you play with your feet, it's soccer, but inside that arena, you know, always being on turf. Small space, the reaction time is so much faster. Um, You know, there's times you're not under pressure, but when you're in the attacking third of the field, you're, I mean, you're under pressure. You're always under pressure when you have the ball. And then the reverse, too, you know, for Nate, when the ball is in the defensive third for us, the, the opposition's attacking half, it is, you know, shot after shot after shot. You know, Nate, his reaction time is fantastic. Outdoors, sometimes you have the luxury, right? To make a save, you push the ball away. Ten yards, you're good for a little bit. You don't have that luxury indoor. So, you know, an initial save where outdoors, you know, you'd be getting high fives. Indoors, that's like, okay, that's no big deal. The first save, that's got to be a given. It's the second and the third and the fourth. And, and the real big improvement with Nate is, you know, his foot control, because it's the same thing. They have to be in a small area, very, very technical with their feet. You know, there's there's limitations. Obviously, you know how long they can handle the ball and and that sort of thing. So, yeah, he he's really really come along.
0: You talk about some of the veteran guys. You know, Freud is back. Uh, talk about what having that veteran leadership means. You know, on the pitch and you know someone who's been in the program for a number of years, like he like Freud's been.
2: Yeah. Well F- Freud's a prime example, you know. He he's our oldest player. He's our captain. He's definitely a leader. Um, just like Nick, I lead on Freud, you know, quite a bit. And uh that is a prime example of how important the mental aspect of the game is. Because as you get older, you know, certain things go physically. I mean Freud is still, you know, he's physically fit, he's he's fast, he's got stamina. But you know, as you start to get up there, sometimes the initial quickness, one or two steps, that you know, that's the first thing that uh, kind of goes. You know, j- just in transition. I mean, on the ball, he's still tremendous. I honestly feel, you know, it's up to it's up to Freud barring injury, and uh, bar as long as he stays interested, and he's got a desire. He seriously has four or five seasons left in him you know, easily. And that, that's the thats the luxury of the indoor game or the beauty of the indoor game. I mean, you know, make no bones. I stepped on the field last year, but let's call that what it is. I, you know, we were skeleton crew and that was just to give people a breather. There's no, you know, that's not something we write down. That's not anything I plan on. And, you know, in some respects, it's insanity, you know, <laughs> but it but was that a necessity, you know? But Froy, I, that guy, he's, he's just – he's a natural leader. He doesn't – you know, that's the beauty, once again, with soccer. Sometimes people, just their performance on the field, how they carry themselves. They're, you don't have to say a whole lot. And that's definitely Froy. He is uh, – it's such a pleasure to have him, you know. And, um, you know, these guys – we're a tight-knit group. These guys become family. You know, these guys are family. Froy's family, you know. His wife, his newborn, Enzo. I mean, these – you get very very close and you share a lot you know and uh, I'm just so happy to have him back but there's a little challenge set out there for uh, Nick you know Freud Nick did get injured he had surgery he's he's on a recovery um things are looking good for him to get back on the field this season but Freud that was one of Freud's you know I'm only coming back if Nick's playing and that was between him and Nick so okay. Nick uh, Nick kind of committed to that, so that's
0: on Nick. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, we've all, we've seen Nick a few times, not too much, but uh, I think you outscored him last season.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, at least in terms of how many touches on the ball it took to score, I, I got a beat there. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, but no, it's uh, you know you you mentioned it, you know, you got on the pitch. You, you got you are the world record holder, oldest in, uh, score oldest scoring player in uh, indoor soccer history. I mean, it's, uh, it's quite a feat, you know. It, it's not something that that many people have the opportunity to do, let alone, you know, the, the ability to do it. Uh, I mean, obviously you grew up playing. You know, you, you have a history with the USL. And, and uh, you know, what's it like at, at your age getting back out there and playing against guys who are, you know, 10, 15, 20 years younger sometimes, you know, and then, you know, talk about, you know, actually scoring that goal. It, it was quite a nifty goal.
2: I I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> At my age, what? Figures. I should have Fingers. viewed the footage. Hey, So, you know, the ball, it was, the ball was played great. You know, and I'm telling you, anyone on my team that was in my position that received that ball being played the way it was could have repeated what I did over and over and over and over. You know, so, I mean, it's... Uh, The guys I came up with that are my age, even a little older, I guarantee whether they haven't played in years, that type of ball played across the face of a goal, chances are they would have scored too. So, I mean, you know, I I was happy to score. I mean, it was pretty cool, but yeah, it was pretty basic stuff, you know.
0: Yeah, like you said, it was, it was born more out of necessity than anything you, that you got out there. You know, is, is this going to lead to you, you know, maybe claiming a spot in the line at some point?
2: No. No?
0: <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> no. I don't even want to put that out there, you know? It's like, <laughs> don't put, no. The, the team's going to be so healthy this year. My biggest headache is going to be, you know, who makes the next road trip? That's how healthy and competitive I want them to be.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's you – know, we talked about last year, you know, during during the season, you know, the, the injuries and everything just kind of piled up. And, you know, you guys weren't able to get the results, you know, down the stretch. But, you know, looking at, at this season, you know, obviously Colorado is out. You know, we've got El Paso. And I don't recall – I don't think we pay, played El Paso in the past. I could be wrong. So, so first um,
2: season it, – it's completely different organization, though. But the mm-hmm. first season, El Paso actually won our division. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay, so, so I mean, so what's that like bringing a new team in, and obviously Andres you know, has been a big part of that um, for you. What's the what's what do you look at when you see, when you see a team that you've never faced? You never, you're, well, that's just your guys it. Never-
2: you really have to lean on what your game plan is going into mm-hmm. it, and and that's what you you know you work by. Um, we've been a very, you know, my style of play, especially indoors. Cause the idea is, you know, you're on for two minutes and you're off, you know, you, there's a rest time, very anaerobic, you know? So we preseason, we train quite a bit, you know, with uh, recovery, you know, a lot of get that heart rate up and then boom recovery. So you could get back on the field. And you know, as my belief, as a result of that, we could play high pressure soccer the whole time. That was my belief. That's the way when I came up, that's how it was played. Um, the games change, you know, even though it's indoor and it's quick, there's a lot of teams that they tend a little more toward like outdoor soccer. You know, they, they want to slow the pace of the game down. And, you know, that's fine for us. Absolutely fine. You, we will change our uh, approach a little in that respect. Like I said, we, we normally were. You know, I, I guess the best way to explain it for people that don't really know uh, indoor soccer, think of basketball like a full court press. So that's basically indoor what, you know, high pressure or immediate pressure is. Um, sometimes it pays off and sometimes, you know, you pay the price because that really can tend to uh, counter tax, you know, big time. But you guys have seen our scores, you know. Being down by four goals going into the last quarter, that's nothing. You know, you're you're in the game. That's, that's not a problem at all, you know.
0: Yeah, I recall one game last year we were up there, and I think it was uh, – I wonder if it was Merchad had like four goals in like seven minutes or something. Yeah. Pretty, pretty wild opening, opening night.
1: Yeah. January 13th, I think it was, the first home game. Yeah, that was um, There was, that was a, a question in the chat, though, mm-hmm. um, our good friend Harry, who congratulated Team Jacob today because he's the only Team Jacob guy. Um, question for Coach. With the new addition of the El Paso Rhinos, which will be the bigger bigger rival, El Paso or Amarillo? Both are about equal distances. You know, I,
2: I think for me, you know, when it comes to rivalry, so people put distance. Honestly, to me, it's about um, relationship. When you get on the field and the opponent is extremely gritty, no matter what, and um, – That's that's when the rivalries really start. You know, we have some healthy ones. Wichita, we love playing against Wichita. We go there. Um, Unfortunately, like Freud, when he a few years ago, the first minute or two in the game, a guy took him out, and I mean Freud, it resulted in surgery, and um, that hurt us that season. And that guy, you know, it's, it's karma's crazy, right? They came to Albuquerque first time. Guess what happened? Two minutes into the game, of the guy that hurt Froy. Strangest thing in the world. They get, they carried him off the field. And um, no foul, nothing like that was called. Those are the type of things where I think the rivalry starts. So, yeah, to tell you the truth, I I don't know. I mean, we'll see. We'll really, really see. You know, whatever Amarillo or, um, pardon me, El Paso style is. I mean, we know what we get with Amarillo. They're a really, really good team. You know, they're consistently a good team. Um, I believe a lot of their players, you know, they import for the season, you know, from all over the state and different parts of the country, they have that luxury. You know, we don't, I suspect with the El Paso team, quite a few guys will be from probably Chihuahua, you know, they'll, they'll come up on the weekends and play, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, Chihuahua played in the league, you know on and off. I really didn't follow them too much because they, I didn't really look past our division, you know, too much in terms of performance, but I do know, you know, there's, there's quite a large following in uh, Chihuahua for arena soccer. So we'll
1: see. Now, that was a crazy long winded answer. When the easiest answer to say was whichever team has the worst pizza.
2: Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. Hey, look, it's an hour show. We gotta fill it with something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but you um, did bring up pizza. <laughs> he did he He did bring up pizza. Um, so I, I Earl I think he he tends to cut crud off cut cut the crust off his. He got a little pizza cutter out, cuts up a little bites, you know.
2: We all got our style. I, I don't no, no no, you don't crust. cut
1: the crust off. You eat the crust backwards just like you're in New York.
2: Is that how they do
1: it in New York? It's exactly how they do it. At that little pizza joint, hole in the wall, greasy slice of pizza you'll ever get in your life. I'm going to tell my ways. uncle you're talking about his pizza that way. <laughs> it's also the best pizza you'll have in your life, too. I'm not talking bad about it. Yeah. I'm saying I got looked at weird when I ate it straight instead of the opposite side.
2: Yeah. Well, there, there's all kinds. There's kinds of different ways. I You know, I normally, this time of year... I tried it before the season. I, I and I've done it for quite a long run outside of COVID. Just and I call it my annual, you know, pizza run. And I jump to New York for like a long weekend, three or four days, visit family, and eat nothing but pizza. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think we can agree with you, that you, Jacob, please come back. Earl is just wrong on eating pizza. Um, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, Jacob has been at the police academy for the past several months, and today is graduation day. Awesome. So Earl uh so Jacob is graduating from the police academy today. So congratulations to Jacob. Uh big moment for him, big moment for yeah, his family. Yeah, Jacob needs
1: to come back because I need a vacation. <laughs> this is 11 <laughs> weeks in a row.
0: <laughs> Earl has been Earl, Earl Earl has done a very good job without uh, Jacob being here. Um but yeah, no, we're hoping that we'll see Jacob back um, probably in the next week or two back on the show. We'll figure that out here before too long because we we are, are going to have some offseason stuff to get to for both teams. Um, you know, Coach, you, you again, we talked last week about the roster. You already told Earl you're not going to spill any beans tonight, but <laughs> um, you should though. Andres, Andres, Andres mentioned last week the team is making the transition from outdoor to indoor in terms of, you know, training and getting ready for the season. What has been, what's the, for, you know, we've seen the game. We see, we obviously watch the game week in, week out. We watch you guys. We watch outdoor. Um, for you as a coach and as, as a former player, what's the hardest part of that transition for hey, the players?
2: Boundaries. Boundaries and no offsides. That, you know, Offsides is really, really big, right? You know, because kids are taught young to hold off on their runs, and and it, you know, by the time I get the guys at the age they're at, that that's just that's like breathing for them. They understand there's offsides; they got to hold up, and as a result of it, it, it usually takes you know a couple months. Um, the veterans they fall right back into place, but like the newer guys, it's new to them. You know, it's a hold off. It's a run. You know, sometimes you have to press up the field and they get, they go stand close to a defender. It's like, you got another 25, 30 yards, go. But mm-hmm. it's like, there's no buts. Just go. And, you know, like I said, as much as you have to have really tight control because it's a small space, at the same time, you know, those walls are big erasers, big, big erasers. You know, mistouch, uh, a shot that's off. And that's the beauty of arena soccer. You know, a missed shot that's not over the wall, there's another one. There's something coming. There's either another shot or there's a counterattack, you know, immediately. And it's that, that's the mindset, right? Because for a split second, you know, guys, okay, the shot's off the goal. And you can, I can literally see at the beginning of training, you know, that hesitation. It's like, oh, wait a second, the ball's still in, mm-hmm. you know, a ball, a Ball that's played long, I can't chase it down. They hold up. It's like, what are you holding up for? It's not going out of bounds, you know? (laughs) So that is really, really the big part of it is that mindset. So they try to play outdoor soccer
1: indoors. So of all the new guys that came in, which one stands out the most to you?
2: Can't tell you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: gonna <laughs> long day. <laughs> um, yeah, w- so we've seen a number of local uh kids come through the runners you know the legendji brothers you know nate yeager just to name a few colton Ward, a local guy as well you know been here for a number of years he's you know involved in committee he's a teacher yeah. um you know and we've talked about it in the past you know in, in some of our interviews and in our conversations with you but you know, what's recruiting like for you in the off season? You know, what's, uh, you know, is, what are some of your, your, your funnels into the program? Is it just the high schools or is it some of the other programs like ECNL uh, or things like that? Well, you know, to tell you the truth,
2: I don't really go and look after the younger players, you know, the high school level Mm -hmm. players, they've always come to us. It was a little different with the legendaries. I mean, I have a, a history with the family. I mean, I'm talking an unbelievable history. They are, they're basically family to me. You know, uh, long story short, their grandmother was my grandfather's secretary in New York at a bank. and Just coincidentally, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, fast forward years later, when we moved to New Mexico, uh, my brothers hung out with uh, the Legendary's dad and, unc- and you know, their brothers, so the Legendary's uncles, they became best friends, no clue what was going on until my grandfather came and visited and my parents had a barbecue, invited them over and it was a big reunion. So, and then proximity, right? There in Rio Rancho, they want to, you know, they were out here already for high school. You know, really we'll get some phone calls from some high school players and depending what point of the season it is, like for right now, I've had a couple guys reach out to me and our player pool is so large right now I I'm sticking to that player pool. But if there was, you know, as the season goes, plus like you mentioned some stuff, ECNL and those sort of things, you know, high school soccer just ended and people think, oh, okay, so these, these players that are really committed to the game, oh, they're going to take some downtime. There's no downtime. Mm-hmm. You know, they, the very next week, you know, they're with their clubs and, and I never want to step on club coaches toes when it comes to that sort of thing. You know, with their players. And, you know, we had like Nick Legendry when he came down for winter break a couple of years back. He played with us, but he was at the time playing with the Colorado Rapids Academy. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I did, I called them. You know, I called the coach just to square it. You know, I want to make sure this is all right. You know, there's really no contractual agreement. Excluding because it's not a pro contract they signed going up there. And, um, but it's just out of respect, you know, you don't, you don't do that. So it, once again, in terms of the younger guys, I haven't really gone out and recruited. We've been very fortunate with, because look, uh, the guys that are really hungry, the ones that want to play, they want to play, you know, they'll reach out. And, and of course, like I said, I, you know, I want to invite them in this year has been just once again, a little unique because it's the biggest player pool that we invited into preseason. And you know we're maintaining them until we announce the team.
0: What what kind of what um what do you contribute that to? You know you, you talked about you know the size of the player pool and obviously you know you got you can only travel so many on travel days you can only have so many on, on on any match day in general. But what do you contribute to the larger player pool? Is it just the 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 amount of exposure the club gets? Is it uh- the the opportunity? You know.
2: I I personally think it's three things. We're getting traction, okay? This is our fifth year, you know, barring COVID, it would be our sixth year. You know, so uh, the following comes, it's a little more organic. You know, our budget for marketing is a little different, you know, than uh, New Mexico United. But uh, so we get traction there. And I will tell you, you know, I I believe also uh, the success of United helps us too. You know, more people have an interest and this next one, people are going to think that's ah, a little strange, but out, Steve Kramer, Kramer Fields, the fact that he put that up—you know—they're—they're they're, they're outdoor fields still, but it's on turf. It's tight. It's—it's a, it's a small, tight area, and um, you know, it. Uh, those guys going out there that are playing seven aside, they're like, this is this is absolutely brilliant. You know, I get to touch the ball a lot more, and now you know when they from there the better players, they look at the runners. It's like, I'm going to try out because you touch the ball even more because once again, what we talked about, there's no out of bounds, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: you know? So, and so those, those three things I think are really the primary factor, you know?
0: Yeah. So I've, I've repped down at Kramer. I have in the past and it is a really interesting format, you know, especially if you're not used to it. You, You talk about the seven aside and the turf fields and, that field turf is interesting <laughs> to yeah. play on. It really is. Yeah. Um, but so how, and obviously, you know, Kramer, you know, what he did bringing in, in, in that small sided soccer to an area that really didn't have anything down there. Um, he right. said, it does give more opportunity. And so you see, some younger guys, you see some older folks, you see the co-ed leagues, you know, all going at it down there. You see some of the bigger cash tournaments that they do. Um, you know, what's your what's kind of your history with Steve and and uh, do you get to spend a whole much time down at Cramer Fields, you know, playing or uh, watching the guys?
2: Yeah. So, uh, gosh, I've known Steve. I don't I don't even know how long I've known Steve. I mean, I've known Steve a really, really long time. I, I probably met him in the 90s, hmm. you know, um, we coached in the same club together for a little bit, um, you know, played some whatever pickup type of soccer together. So I've known Steve. I, I I absolutely love his facility. For an old guy like me, I had a friend that recruited me. Come on out, come on out, play over 40. It's like, play over 40? It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, the old guys, the old guys. I'm out there on the field, and these guys I'm playing against, over 40, I coached half of them. I mean, I, I'm getting ready for over sixty, you know. What I mean? <laughs> but but the beauty of it is, it you know, guys like me, it gives it gives you new life. It's another chapter if you want to continue to play soccer because you step on that field and, you know, you could cover that kind of space. Mm-hmm. You know that the fifty yard run is four yards now. Yeah. It's not even a run. You know, it's kind of like a job. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, no, that place is awesome. And, um, you know, it worked out really well because the nights that they had the over 40 league, right after the over 40 games, they had the premier men's leagues. So the most competitive. So I would always stay over and, you know, take a look at what was available and put a bug in this player or that player's ear. So, yeah.
0: I think I might know a few of the players that uh, you put some bugs in their ears about, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, between, but, you know, between what Kramer's doing and ECNL for the, for the older kids and even, even ASL, you know, out at the Burnley Hill soccer complex. I mean, there are a lot of opportunities for players to, to continue, you know, beyond high school or club soccer and continue to develop and, you know, maybe work their way into a team like the runners or, you know, maybe go play somewhere else. Um, you know, just keep playing. And yeah, I think that uh, it goes to what you guys are doing, you know, especially with how much traction the club is getting and then the outreach and the community, uh, since feeling around the club, you know, I think it just all helps in general, you know, the same thing, you know, rising tide raises all ships. And so I think, you know, what you guys do helps the community at large as well. Oh,
2: well, you
0: know, it, it's
2: cool because obviously Steve's place, once again, is just so beautiful. <clears> and it gives the kids an option to play. See when the kids go and play there, I mean, the adults, when you're an adult, you're playing cause you love to play. The kids, they love Steve's place because I, you know, I haven't watched any of the youth games there and I'm hoping that the kids that are going, I hope, I'm hoping it's not organized through their club. Mm -hmm. You know, this is part of our season. I'm hoping it's just those, those guys and girls getting out there, getting on the field and loving the game. No instruction. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, don't get me wrong. There is definitely a time and place for instruction, but I I think in, in our country, with the youth, we put way, way too much emphasis on it. I know when I was young, I spent way more hours outside of a structured training session than I did in. And I know in Europe, I'll tell you in Germany, that's definitely the case, you know, with the kids, you know, South America, Mexico. I mean, that is, that's why, you know, you see these these people, how developed they are from these Mm -hmm. other countries, because it's so much more about passion. You know, and um, you know, and to stay on that subject, the youth. I mean, all the youth coaches we have. I mean, how great is that? And mm-hmm. I know a lot of them do it as a profession or definitely to supplement. And I'm not going to knock that. You know, I mean, I made a living at doing that for a long time. But you know, without without that base. And I'm not saying, well, the professional structure, the, I'm talking all the coaches, the volunteer coaches, it doesn't matter, the dad or the mom, offering those kids opportunities. You know, I mean, you've got the gateway sports, right? There's programs out there, um, I-9 sports. I mean, these, you know, what a what a great idea, right? You know, it's, it's like a sample platter. Okay, you play soccer for whatever, four weeks, and then the next four weeks you play football. And the next four weeks, so... You know, my hat's off to all the people that get involved and um, whether, once again, professionally or volunteer, that aren't kicking the ball. They're there for the kids. They're there to try to develop them. They're there to try to provide. Because let's face it, without them, there's no New Mexico United. There's no New Mexico Runners. You know, there's no Kramer Field. There's no ASL. I mean, who's going to feed it? You know, no one's, it starts somewhere. And that love and that passion, I will tell you, I have seen coaches just rob that from young children. And then I've seen coaches just completely instill that in young kids. I mean, it's so vital. Mm -hmm. It's teaching that love of the game and it should be a love. I mean, you know, when you're a kid, it's really nice. I want to play pro when I'm older. I mean, I, I had that dream and as I, once I was fortunate enough to do that, I had another dream. I want to play into my fifties. I want to play into my sixties. You know, I want to play. I love to play. Players want to play. And mm-hmm. that's the end of it. But that doesn't happen unless they love it. It's so like I said, I, I think, you know, the big hitters, sure. I think we inspire the kids, but man, it's, it's at the young levels and that's the referees, you know, the coaches, the organizations, you know, the administrators. And then of course, someone's got to drive the kids to training. Someone's got to drive the kids to the game. You know, it's the parents. Mm-hmm. I just wish sometimes the parents could back off a little, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's very true. And, you know, you know, you and I have both been involved, you know, you've obviously, you know, longer than I have, um, I've been involved for the past several years. I'm continuing to stay involved and, and, uh, Earl just graduated high school, so he hasn't quite gotten his referee stripes yet. But, um, you know, it's it, – it, you talk about the – Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Kids. Before <laughs> you start
1: bashing me, I've done something you haven't done. I've coached four-year-olds. I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> for more than one week. I, my son
0: played a whole season. <laughs> Both my boys Without have having sports having for the past kids. four or five years. Yeah.
1: I had zero kids. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. Four year olds.
0: And see, and that's that's great, Earl. Because like we do need more people, even people who don't have kids, to, to be involved. And you know, having you know me having coached, you know, I've coached you know three different sports now, or four different, no four different sports now. Um, I've coached four different sports. I've refed, you know, uh, basketball and and soccer, and you know, you talk about the the coaches, and you know, we've I've seen some great ones. You know, Chris Hurst friend of the show, you know, he, he's a guy that he puts a lot of time, Jackson Rogers, you know, former New Mexico runner, you know, he puts a lot of time in with, with kids. And, you know, I think there's some, there, they were two really great examples, you know, of, of coaches who, who care and put the time and the effort in and I've definitely seen it from, from those two and from some other coaches out there as well, but I've seen coaches that just absolutely ruined the experience for in my opinion, for the kids, for the referees, for the parents, you know, one of the last weekends I did um, this summer before, you know, after before I hurt my ankle, um, was I had a coach who started mouthing off in the second minute about a simple throw, and I said, Coach, I'm not going to do it. This is my fifth game of the day. We're going to stop this right here. You he kept going, so I carded in the second minute of the game. And later in the game, there was a, another call, 50-50 ball players went up, one happened to catch the other, you know, nothing in it, no malice and nothing wasn't intentional. So I carded the other player and uh coach start, just kept going, just mouth him out. So I gave him a second, sent him off. And his players started doing the same thing. I'm like, this is the example that you're setting. And you talk about how important it is at that youth level. And, you know, New Mexico suffers from a lack of coaches, from a lack of referees, you know, from a lack of, you know, administrators. And you know, Earl, you've seen it as as someone who helps with uh with AYSO. You know, and, and Steve, you've seen it as well. I mean, sure. I mean, Earl, let's start with you. I mean, you know, what does it take, you know, for someone to want to get involved with something like this? And what do the what do these leagues need to do
1: to encourage not only people get involved, but to do it the right way? I mean, it's hard to say because where I started a friend of mine kind of convinced me to jump in so I jumped in I started helping coaching I started assisting him with coaching and then he stopped showing up he thought I knew what I was doing because I at the time we were still almost near those news so I kind of had an interest in soccer didn't really know anything about it still it was like six weeks in I was like I don't know what the heck I'm talking about Uh, but for whatever reason he trusted me so I jumped right in with the four-year-old and I kept talking with them, kept working with them. Um, But I encouraged the parents to to take it home. Whatever I was showing the kids at the game, because we didn't have practices, they're four years old. There's not much you can actually practice at four years old. Um, But whatever the kids were learning during the game day, I was encouraging the parents to take it home and just have them kick the ball. That way they get used to the ball being at their feet, being on their foot. That way, whenever they get older, it's not – this is brand new to me. It's kind of muscle memory. And if they want to continue playing soccer, cool. At least they have that one core muscle memory that they can use and just build off of that. Um, and then I jumped into being a glutton for punishment and jumped into the board. I mean, I was, I saw a position open for the board. I said, yeah, I'm in, let me, let's do it. Um, I was the youngest one there. I usually am anywhere as I go, the youngest one. um, including this little forum we have going on again. Um, and then one of the people stepped down, one of the board members stepped down, and the uh, the regional coordinator, which we probably know, James Dominguez, Coach, you might know him. Um, James Dominguez, really good guy. He came and and said, like, hey, man, can you take over the register part too? So I was doing the field coordination and the register part. So I was like, sure, why not? Let's do this. And then from there, just I just stuck in that role until I moved up north. Um, so technically, I'm still on the board. I never heard I haven't from gotten, that. By the way, I haven't got an email about. Needing <laughs> I don't know to when the next meeting. Board meeting. Is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know when the next meeting is, but I'm still on there. That's for sure. But really, what it takes um, as a parent, as a non-parent, as just someone interested a lot of patience because there's gonna be a lot of time devoted to either being in meetings or being on the phone with different different field coordinators, different field uh, hosts, like city of Albuquerque or Burnet County, um, all the way to just investing a lot of time, a lot of time into the youth. I mean, that's where it's at. Is you're talking to kids. And you have to understand if you want this kid to continue loving soccer like they do right now, don't make it a bad experience. Yep. Make it a make it a a building moment instead of a criticizing moment.
0: And coach, yep. for you, I mean, the same question. I mean, what do you think it takes for for people to to get involved and stay involved? Because you know there are times where parents will will come out, they'll do it, or they'll volunteer, then they just don't show. Yeah. You
2: well, know, you know, it's it's we we both hit on it already um uh, myself and Earl, you know, the, the kids have to enjoy it. They got to love it. Guess why? The volunteers got to love it too. You got to mm-hmm. enjoy it. But what is the purpose to do it? I mean, out of pure enjoyment, sure. But what's the scope of it? it, it the scope is it's the kids. You've got to go in there and know that I'm trying to make this right for the kids, but all the kids, not, you know, this is a team I coach. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the opponent. Nah, it's, it's, you know, it's got to be for everything. You know, and and there's ways, you know, uh, know, there's there's those coaches that take the wind out of the sails. And then let's face it, parents, I mean, you know, four years old, Mm -hmm. kids step on the field. What's an what is a parent's expectation, especially parents don't have a background? Well, I saw a soccer game on TV. Hey, you're not doing what they're doing, you know, and they would never have the expectation when the kid comes home from kindergarten or the first grade to say, hey, what is this one plus one? You know, your, your brother or sister, that's a senior, you know, they're doing calculus. Mm -hmm. I expect you to do that. They would, they would never, no one would fathom that, but when it comes to sports, that's what parents do. Yeah.
0: yeah, It's insane,
2: but there's fun ways, right. To kind of put parents in place, you know, that, that sometimes could be a tough conversation, but I tell my, I've always, and this is, you know, this is the guys use it or don't use it. But as a coach every year, consistently over you know whatever 40 45 years of coaching youth at some point during the season after a game I pull the kids together and I never tell them to be disrespectful to their parents but I let them know if there's one of those games because let's face it parents they want to give instruction they and it's okay because they that's what they're going to do you know I always invite the parents over for the post-game little talk Mm -hmm. I want the parents to hear because if they are going to talk and they are going to give information, hopefully it's the same information I'm giving them. But I do let the kids know, okay, game time, you're allowed to be disobedient. You, can't, you don't have to listen to your parents. <laughs> and if the parent's really hard on the kids, I tell the kids after the game, okay, this is what I want from you. When you're driving out of here, especially if it's out of the complex, and when you're on that straightaway and, you know, you see that light, that red light a mile down the road, Scream at mom or dad, whoever's driving, stop, 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 stop. And see how they react. Because chances (laughs) are they're gonna tell you why what are you telling me to stop for? It's not time to stop. I'm not ready to stop. Look, the the stoplights way down there. Yeah, and you told me to pass, I wasn't ready to pass, no one was there to pass. You told me to shoot, I wasn't ready to shoot, the goal was too far away. And I tell you consistently over the years, I would get calls from parents and their Kind of giggling, but apologetic at the same time. Thanks, coach. Like, yeah, you know I mean? Just two questions after the game. Did you have fun? And then what kind of ice cream do you want? And that's it. That's you it, go. man. It's for fun. You go, the other yeah, guys, that's... it's, did you have fun? Yeah, okay. What kind of beer? No, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it, you're absolutely right. And, you know, the, the last season I did AYSO – um, just straight AYSO, which is all, which, which is a volunteer organization. Um, the 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 idea was to have one parent from every team referee. Well, the league my son played in, I refereed eighty percent of the games because one parent you know broke a leg or an ankle or something. And the other two parents just never showed, and you know I got to know some of the coaches, and they're like, yeah, hey man, do you mind sticking around? Yeah, I don't mind at all. You know the the kids need someone you know and so like i enjoyed doing it like i wasn't even at that point you know it's, i'm reffing games that my kid's not playing in. you know one of the coaches like hey can your kid play that we're short can your kid play yeah absolutely you want to play yeah he wanted to go so yeah we'll stick you know, I, you know i'll stick around that and that's part of why i do it because you know i can help teach i can help you know the kids enjoy learn to enjoy the game and understand you know the rules and how to play and you know help them get better in any way that i can and you know it's there's a lot of parents and volunteers that just that just don't do that so um Earl, it is close to your bedtime. So I do have one uh, I do have one title, final bit here for coach. Uh on Saturday, the runners announced their season schedule. Andres teased it last week. Runner season opens December 30th at home against the El Paso Bombers. Or El Paso Rhinos. I apologize. El Paso Rhinos followed by a home match the following weekend against the Amarillo Bombers. Season, coach season starts two home games to start, two, two home games to end the season. I mean, how's it? I mean, that's not typical. So, how does it feel to start and end the season both at home?
2: Uh, it's fantastic. You know, I mean, it's always nice, right? It's comfortable. It makes it way more comfortable. You know, your first game of the season, new players. You know, if you have a veteran squad with maybe one or two, you know, new comers, it doesn't matter. But you know, the situation we're in, I I'm really really happy about it. Yeah, I, you know, that's, I am one of those little kids. I still love the game. I get giddy about it. It's great. I love the idea of playing games. I hate road trips. <laughs> <laughs> I hate guys. I'm sorry. You know, it's, it's part of it. And there was so many years there, you know, I live for it. Oh, I can't wait. We're out of town mm-hmm. this weekend. We're out of town. And I just, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I guess I'm getting a little old, (laughs) but um, you know, once you're there, once we're at the arena time to play and it's fun, you know, with the guys, all the antics, but um, yeah, man, I'm going to tell you, I'd much rather play in my house than someone else's house. That's (laughs) for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the schedule looks pretty favorable uh, for the runners uh, this year. You've got two at home against El Paso, two at home against Wichita, two against Amarillo. And I'm kind of looking at the schedule and pretty favorable. The matches are all fairly spread out, except for you get two back to back, you get two doubleheader weekends. You got the El Paso rhinos and the Amarillo bombers February 10th and 11th way home and away there. Then also you get got two road games on February 24th and 25th, both I mean, just down the road in El Paso. So, I mean, really I, schedule doesn't look too bad for you guys. I mean, is, yeah. are there any that you're kind of pointing to like, Hey, I'm, I'm excited for this one. Like based on the nights that Andres has told you about, you know, I'm not going to ask you for the nights. I'm going to say, are there any that you're, that you're pointing at being, hey, that's going to be a fun night?
2: They're all going to be fun. There you go. They're all going to be fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're absolutely looking forward to it. You know, runners season kicks off December 30th out at the Rio Rancho Event Center, El Paso Rhinos to open the season I mean coach I mean we, we've had you here for about an hour I mean is there anything that you want to share with with the fans with the viewers with the listeners you know uh, about the club about yourself about you know uh, just what to look
1: forward to this year with the runners oh uh, you know before, uh, before you answer I, that before yes. you answer that you can answer that question only with new player names
2: <laughs> only with okay I have
1: to say it that way? All right.
2: So only with new players' names, if you come out, <laughs> it's, you know, it's one of those things if you have not, you know, for fans or people, you know, have never seen it and there's an interest, I'll tell you, I, I don't think there's an in-between with arena soccer. You either say, I get it, or you say, yeah, it's not for me. But if you get it, you really get it. You know, I mean, just the excitement, the amount of goals, the nonstop. Um, it, it's, it's really exciting. And then, you know, obviously, I, I love this team. This, it's my team. It's a part of me. I, I want the community to support it. But I also want to, you know, take up a little bit of time. For, I want to thank you guys for what you do. I mean, sometimes uh, I don't think you recognize, you know, how influential you guys are in the soccer community. And that's, it's, it's really great. You know, and um, it's very apparent you guys are committed to the sport and you love it. And, you know, you know me, guys, anything I could ever do for you as a result of that. I mean, it's infectious. It's contagious. The love for the sport. Soccer, I always say it's soccer is a disease and I caught the disease really young and there, there was no cure for me. You know, no helicopter parents, no coach that, you know, beat it out of me. No scary ref. Well, a lot of scary refs, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no big deal there. Yeah. But yeah. So I, I want to thank you guys for what you do. I mean, oh, it, you, my, my hat's off to you.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun and, you know, we, this is our fourth year doing this show, you know? Um, and it's, it's been, a, you know it's been a learning process. It's been, gr- it's been a lot of growth. And I mean, we can't thank you guys enough. I mean, you guys, you and Andres give us so much access to you guys and, you know, be having the opportunities to come out to the event center and, and talk to you and Andres, and you'll see behind the scenes, you know, get the, you know, see how everything is made. It's, it really is a lot of fun. And we, we, we love being out there. And we can't talk enough good about how, how much you and Andres do and just how good the program is up there, you know, from, from start to finish every single year.
2: I appreciate that. And I tell, yeah, Andres, he is, uh, he is like from another planet when it comes to running an organization. He's he's got it. You know, he's that in my he's a hall of famer in my book, MVP for sure. <laughs>
0: there we go. And yeah, if you've missed it over in the chat, the New Mexico runners are on, now on YouTube. Uh so yeah. Uh, just sub George Ords in the chat. Thank you guys all for stopping by this and appreciate each and every one of you, Andres. Thank you for being here and hanging out. Um yeah, and so Earl Earl mentioned last week, and I'm curious, Coach, before we get before we let you go, you've been uh, doing some things on social media, sharing some. I think it's food, Earl said. I I share a little pizza. Okay. Now nah, there's some other Italian <laughs> stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, where can folks find you? Where can they follow? Where can they get updates
1: about the pizza that you're eating? You know, you can find of- him at any pizza joint in Rio Regional or you
2: there, dude, you nailed it those are my three big hitters. There's there's three of them, yeah. And they're they're each one's uniquely different and I still love it. <laughs> and I don't care how you fold it, dude. You could roll it like a burrito. I don't care. Fold it like a taco. It's all good.
0: <laughs> uh. Oh, that's uh, pizza pizza. There you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, coach, uh, people, obviously, you are on Facebook, Steve Familetta. You're on, I believe, you're on Instagram as well. Is that correct? Yeah. On Instagram as well. Uh, at Steve Femoletta there also,
2: uh, Instagram, uh, a very, very good friend of mine set it up. I, I don't know what I was doing, but it was, I'm the real Steve Femoletta,
0: the real Steve. There you go. I mean, there, there you have it folks go give coach Steve a follow on Facebook and on Instagram. Keep up with him and the runners all throughout the season. You can find the <laughs> Mexico runners, com We have we got the link to the season schedule there over in the yep. chat Hit so, like
2: and subscribe.
0: There you go. Like and subscribe. Everything we appreciate each and every one of you being here. Earl, do you have anything else for Coach before we get out of here?
1: I don't. Uh, <clears throat> every year I look forward to these these two weeks of off season. Um, this kind of kicks off our off season where we bring you guys in and liven things up a little bit. It's always it's always a pleasure, and I I can't thank you guys enough. Like Seth said, well,
2: yeah, it, it's our pleasure. Like I said, we really enjoy. I mean, I have a blast with you guys. It's always fun.
0: Yeah, we do, too. We really do. We, and we can't wait to get back out there again on, on game day to see you guys, see the runners in action. And, uh, you know, I mentioned last week, you know, you're you're one of the guys, you know, we come down, you're like, hey, how you doing? You'll give us you know, a hug, wrap your arms around us, you know, like it, it really, and we talk just about the family atmosphere, about, you know, you and Nick and Andres and his family. And, like, you guys, the, the post-match atmosphere, you guys treat
1: everyone like family. So, yeah, so you know. he, he runs around, gives everyone hugs and stuff. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, Before you go there,
2: I, er, I got to give him a hug with two hands because he's trying to steal my puffer jacket.
1: That, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But, but he he gives everyone a hug, and then he walks away and asks on dress, who was that again? <laughs> so, yeah, but that's because I'm old. <laughs> I didn't say why. I didn't give a reason. (laughs) So you brought it up, though. You did bring it up. Um, Bring what up? That puffer jacket. I mean, we got to talk about that. What are you talking about?
0: (laughs) Earl, I think he's got you there. Um, Uh, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time. You just wait. Okay, cool. (laughs) Coach, we appreciate you taking the time. I know it's a holiday week. Uh, A lot of folks have plans, and you took some time out to come and sit down and talk to us, and we appreciate that. And uh, yeah, we, we just, we love talking to you. We cannot wait to see the runners. We can't wait to get back out there. Uh, yeah. December 30th. We'll be there.
2: Cool. Hey, thanks guys. You guys have a great holiday.
0: All right, we will. You do as well, coach. All right, man. All right, thanks. Gotcha. All right, folks, everyone in the chat, thank you guys so much for being here. Obviously, Coach Steve Famoletta was here with us this evening. Uh, for Jacob, congratulations. We can't wait to see you back, buddy. Uh, we don't know what our schedule is going to be the next week. I think we might take next week off. Maybe we'll come back week after um, after that uh, to recap what's happened so far with the off season for both New Mexico United and the New Mexico for All the roster moves and updates. Uh, yeah, this will be on air. Uh, podcast feeds later this week happy thanksgiving everybody uh for earl for jacob for myself thank you guys to everyone andres runners official youtube channel george jill uh not jill jane harry robert appreciate each and every one of you being over in the chat you guys are all incredibly awesome until next time somos unidos. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United, the USL, and the New Mexico Runners. All of our shows are recorded live on Tuesday nights and are streamed on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. An audio-only version of the show goes live later in the week on all major podcast platforms. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bidoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using StreamYard and Audacity.